0: this morning. So uh, let's look at 1 Corinthians 7. It's been a while since we've been here. Um, We're going to look at verse 25, and we'll just going to see how far we get, okay? But um, the rest of the chapter flows together, but as I said, I'm not going to preach very long this morning, so we'll see if we get through the end of the chapter, okay? Uh, Let's read several verses, though. It says, Now concerning virgins... I have no commandment of the Lord, yet I give my judgment as one that hath obtained mercy of the Lord to be faithful. I suppose, therefore, that this is good for the present distress. I say that it is good for man, so to be. Art thou bound unto a wife, seek not to be loosed. Art thou loosed from a wife, seek not a wife. But and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned, and if a virgin marry, she hath not sinned. Nevertheless, such trouble in the flesh. But I spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none, and they that weep, as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not, and they that buy as though they possess not, and they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passeth away. But I would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried careth for things that belong to the Lord how he may please the Lord. And he that is unmarried careth the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. There is difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please him, how it may please her husband. And this I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, and that which may attend upon the Lord without, that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. But if any man think that he behaveth himself uncomely toward his virgin, if she pass the flower of her age, and needs so require, let him do what he will. He sinneth not. Let them marry. Nevertheless, he that standeth steadfast in his heart, having uh, no necessity, but of power over his own will, And so decreed in his heart that he will keep his virgin, doeth well. So then he that giveth her in marriage doeth well, but he that giveth her not in marriage doeth better. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married, to whom she will only in the Lord. But she is happier if she so abide after my judgment. And I think also that I have the Spirit of God. We see here Paul giving... A lot of advice uh, regarding marriage and uh, of course that's what this whole chapter has been about and it's been several weeks since we've looked at you know, the previous verses here he's he's uh, giving counsel and advice on those who are not yet married uh beforehand it was to you know already uh, married couples and and those that were had uh, been unsaved and maybe one of the partners one, one spouse had gotten saved and the other one was not yet saved so they were questioning "Well, should i divorce this unsafe partner now, should I leave them? And what Paul said, no. Uh, God can use you as a witness, amen. Um, and uh, that was just one of the things he, he touched on. But uh, now he's come to this um, uh, conclusion of those who are unmarried. And should they seek marriage? Now, you may say, well, that's, that's like a, a misnomer. I mean, of course they would want to get married, right? Uh, well, our, our world today doesn't see it that way even. And, and there were some in Paul's day who did not see it that way. that um, they were, you know, questioning, uh, especially the parents. And, of course, their culture was a bit different. A lot of the, uh, you know, culture in that day, they didn't just decide for themselves who they were going to marry. Uh, the parents made that choice. And so uh, some of it he's addressing to the parents. But I, I want us to focus on, again, we're not going to belabor every verse this morning. Okay, we'll probably look at the whole section and just draw the, the main principles out of it, all right? But what, what we can learn from it overall is that we must, uh, as Christians, we should be content in our status, our relationships, regardless um, what of what that is. And uh, we don't need to be distracted from the coming of the Lord. Mm. Amen. Uh, that, that's his overall message here, okay, that he's trying to bring across. And I'll, I'll point that out through several through three different things here, okay? But um, let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get right into the message. Lord, we thank you again for today. Uh, Lord, despite uh, the many difficulties we faced uh, this this week and uh, this weekend with uh, our bus and uh, Lord Brother Brian being sick mm-hmm. and then not able to be with us, Lord, my voice, yet yeah, Lord, you've, you've truly blessed our church today, given us, sort of a great service already and uh, a great number of people, we thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And Lord, we ask you just to continue to bless. Lord, continue to protect this place. And, Lord, this next, these next few minutes, please give my voice strength. Uh, Lord, I pray that I would speak clearly, and that, more importantly, you would speak clearly to the hearts of each individual. Mm-hmm. That, Lord, um, things in our lives that maybe we need to change, uh, Lord, we would uh, address those things as you convict us, and, Lord, we would not um, just uh, set them aside. I pray, Lord, for us one of your who's not saved. that God, you convict them of their need for a Savior. That, Lord, I um, that would leave here today knowing for sure they're on their way to heaven. And that, Lord, you would get glory and honor through all this time. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The the first thing we see is Paul is, uh, you know, the way he comes about this is, he says, look at verse 25. He says, um, I have no commandment of the Lord, yet I give my judgment. And we can even look in verse 40 there. He says, and I also think I, I have the spirit of God. So, Paul, in writing, he's, he's going ahead and bringing uh, truthful about, he's acknowledging that this advice he's giving is just his own advice. There was no command uh, given by the Lord Jesus. There was no command in the Old Testament about when a person was supposed to marry, okay? Or you know, how long they had to wait or anything like that. It was simply, if they married, then this was the, the, the qualifications or obligations they were you know, regarding that, okay? <clears throat> uh, and yet, And yet, we understand that Paul was writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so his opinion, if you will, became the Word of God. And it's now been recorded for us as part of Scripture. And so these are, um, you know, uh, and again, he's not giving really commands here, but he's giving some very good principles that are godly because they are now part of the Word of God. Amen. Mm -hmm. And the first thing he, he points out is the times. Okay, when he's, he's mentioning this advice, look in again verse um, 26 there. I suppose, therefore, that this is good for the present distress; that it is good for man So to be, um, he, he's saying the present distress. And Paul recognized that it would be difficult for some individuals that um, were not married, and then if you know they were Christians and they were going to. Uh, uh, Mary that there, there was uh, the, the potential for uh, persecution and we know history proved that right yeah. okay um, Paul's writing this about 55 56 AD uh, Nero began to persecute the Christians I believe Nero burned Rome uh, some history buff can Google it or fact check me Okay, around 60 AD okay um, so it was it was very close to the time that the um, persecution ramped up in the Roman Empire of the Christians and Paul, whether under inspiration or just kind of you know, had a <laughs> had an itch about it that he knew that persecution was was coming, and he's just being very practical in giving his advice. He said, "Someone who's single and is you know facing that situation of persecution, um, it's just them, you know, that they're facing that alone. Whereas if they're married," And all of a sudden, now um, you have a wife. Maybe you have a child. Um, your enemy is going to go after your children, and they may hold your wife ransom. Yeah, you know, they may kidnap your family to get you to try to, you know, uh, coerce you to doing what they want you to do. And he says you're putting on a greater risk for yourself because we're going to be facing persecution. And so he's just, you know, I'm reminding them of the times and the situations of what uh, that they will face. And, you know, I again, mean, he doesn't say it's wrong to marry. He doesn't say it's the right thing to do to marry. But he wants you to make a wise decision. Okay? And, um, you know, we have to face the fact that sometimes we don't know the future, do we? Uh, if, and, and, you know, we do have some that are looking to, to be married. Okay? And uh, I'm, I'm very excited about it. Okay? I'm uh, very excited for all the individuals in our church looking to get married. Um, but we don't always know the future, do we? Yeah. And we have to accept that sometimes, um, God's plans are different than what we envisioned. Mm-hmm. I've said it often. I, I knew when I was really young that I was going to become a New Zealand. I expected to to do what God wanted me to do. I had no idea all the twists and turns that I would take to get here. Mm-hmm. You know, God had a lot of detours in my life that I did not plan. Um, you know, one of those is having twins, you mm-hmm. know, um, I'm so thankful we took that detour, amen? amen. Uh, another one was having two children with autism. I didn't plan that, you know? But what an experience that has been in a positive way, okay? Yes, it's been difficult at times, but it's also had some positive benefits from that. And, and we just have to acknowledge that, okay? Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, For I know the thoughts I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Uh, God knows all the details. Amen. Uh, we say, and I, I didn't plan it this way, but we don't know tomorrow, but we know who holds tomorrow. Amen. And we know who holds our hand. And and that's, Paul's just, again, being kind of realistic here. Not saying it's wrong or right, but just to face the situations. Amen. And, and to face reality, so to speak. Um, so he, he acknowledges that the times they live in, he acknowledges that there will be trials sometimes uh, because of that. You know, Paul himself knew how persecutors—and today we just call them terrorists—how they think, because he had been one. Mm. Think about that. He said, "You know, when uh, the persecution, when they have permission to come in and steal your children, they will do it because that's what I used to do. They will come in and make you try to, you know, give up your salvation, give up, you know, uh, your, your faith." Uh, and, and take your children and take your wife and, and throw them in jail. He said, That's what I did before I come to the Lord. So he's just being very honest and, and realistic about the things that these young Christians may face. And do you really want to start a family in, in those type of situations? Alright, he's not saying it's wrong, I'm not saying it's right. Okay? And uh, obviously a lot of them chose to marry anyway. Amen. But what he really meant, look down at verse 29. What he really wants to bring across is, again, um, he, he goes from just giving advice to, secondly, an admonition here. He says, the time is short. And, and uh, what he's saying here is, we don't know how much time we have. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in their day, imagine living just a few decades out from when Jesus had rose from the dead and then ascended into heaven. And two angels had appeared and said, Why stand ye gazing? This same Jesus shall so come in like manner as you've seen him uh, ascend, so shall he come. And they were told he was coming back. Those, especially that generation, they lived looking for that moment. Amen. Uh, it was not, you know, some pie in the sky some, you know, sweet by and by. It was a literal. Uh, expected hope that they lived with, and by the way, that's the kind of hope we should live with. Amen. Uh, that 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 um, uh, expectation should not should not be diminished in the child of God. Amen. We should be looking for his period Amen, and uh, and eagerly awaiting that. But how much more realistic it was for them because they lived just a few decades removed from when Jesus had walked on this earth and had ascended back to heaven, and Paul, we know, I mean, there's other verses we could look at, we won't for time's sake, but we know he lived looking for the coming of the Lord. And he says here, The time is short. Um, it remaineth that both they that have wives <clears throat> be as though they had none. He said, You know, the time that we have left, we don't know. And it could be that there are those who have a wife, they're married, there are those who are still single, they don't have any prospects, so to speak, and they're those who are engaged, who maybe they're not married officially yet, but they have plans and such, but all that's going to be cut off because Jesus is coming back, and it won't matter who's engaged, who's single, and who's married, because there's no marriage in heaven, Amen. and the day is short. Hey, he says that needs to be your priority, being ready for that day. Amen. Uh, and then he, he goes through several things here, okay. That he uh, gives examples for. It, the, the first one is marriage. All right. Um, you yeah, know, it's a war, it's not a warning again, not a warning against marriage, but an admonition for watching, watching for his return in marriage. Amen. Watching for his return in marriage. Um, then then he says, it's not not just marriage. Okay, he's not just picking on um, getting married. Okay. Look at verse thirty. They that weep as though they wept not. How many times I, I can think of an individual right now, and by, if I name if I name the person, most of you would know who I'm talking about. I'm not going to do that, you know, but most of you would would know this person. That they experienced a tragedy in their life. They were a faithful Christian, and when they experienced that tragedy in their life, the person in their life who passed away, and they fell out of church, and they grieved, and they grieved. And they never got fully, fully back in church like they you know, like they were before. They allowed that grief to overwhelm them, and to get them out of church. And, and they're continually grieving the loss. You know, the, the, there's a there's a place for grieving, certainly. Okay, um, but the Bible says that we have hope. Amen. We sorrow not as those who have no hope. All right. And and, and hey, we, we rejoice in the fact that our loved ones, if they knew the Lord. We're gonna see them one day. Amen. Amen. Uh, I miss I miss brother Ian. Amen. Mm -hmm. And I miss I miss uh, uh, Bob. Mm -hmm. And I'm going way back now. I miss brother Bob. I miss uh, oh goodness, I didn't write all their names down, but um, uh, I miss Zena dearly. I miss those saints that I knew ten years ago, who are part of our church. But you know what? I don't let that stop us from what we're doing today because I I rejoice in the fact that one day we are going to see them again. Amen? Amen. Amen. And that gives us hope. It gives us courage. And we we, we move on. You know, Paul's acknowledging, he says, yes, we can wait for a time, but we cannot let that overwhelm us and stop us from being ready for his return. Amen? Uh, So, he addresses our our mood, so to speak, okay? Our sorrowing. um, one, One preacher said, the call of Christ is to... Oh, I'm sorry. Let's let's look down the next verse here. Uh, The next part of the verse. He says, They that rejoice, as though they rejoice not. Sometimes we can get so uh, involved in the present that we don't take the coming of the Lord serious. It's kind of the other end of the pendulum there. All right? Look at uh, Romans 12. Okay? We will go to this verse. Romans 12, Verse 15. (laughs) <laughs> there he said uh, and again Paul writing this one as well rejoice with them that do rejoice weep with them uh, sometimes and we, we've had that happen even on you know uh, uh, Sunday in, in the same day in the same church there are individuals there's families who maybe they've experienced um, you know, a great answer to prayer and there's um, Maybe a baby's been born, whatever. And we're rejoicing in the fact that God has you know, delivered that child safely. They've had a, seen God answer prayer. And yet there's another family who has experienced a tragedy. And you rejoice with those who rejoice. You weep with those who weep. Mm. There's balance. There's balance. And Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians there, he says, Hey, you can't be overwhelmed with grief. You can't let that stop you from living for the Lord, preparing for His return but you also can't be so jovial and so carefree in this present life that you don't think the Lord's ever going to come back, and so you don't take serious eternity's values. Mm. He, he says there'll be a time that those that rejoice will be as though they rejoice not because they didn't prepare for the coming of the Lord. Yeah. And so you've got to take things seriously. This is I started to read here. One preacher said the call of Christ is to a cross and not to a carnival. There's nothing wrong with being happy in the Lord. Uh, The joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. Nothing wrong with having a sweet spirit and and, and those things. But there is a time and place for all all those things. Amen. Uh, Sometimes we do have to be sober and vigilant. Amen. Uh, We need to weep those that that Mm weep. Notice in verse 31. He says, they that use this world as not abusing it. Mm -hmm. So not only our our mood and, and marriage, but materialism. Um, you know again, people live for this present world, Christians who live for the present world they think well the Lord is never going to come back, it's you know um, yeah I- I'm just going to make my best of, of what I have now and I'm not going to go and live wicked but uh, I'm going to enjoy my life and just kind of you know, coast along oh God, I'm not going to get too serious about church and about religion and about, you know, about living for the Lord um, I've got all my life To live for the Lord. Who told you that? Mm. I'll tell you who told you that. The devil told you that. That's right. Because you don't know that. Mm. Our life, James 4 says, is a paper. Amen. And and we need to take seriously the coming of the Lord. We don't need to get so consumed with the things of this world that we're distracted from the Lord's return. Amen. Amen. Uh, He said, For the fashion of this world passeth away. (laughs) Well, he. he, uh, he really got real practical here. He says, "Just look at the clothes. Just look at the latest car model. The fashions of this world—they change every every year, every six months, almost." You know, um, I uh, I thought this is a, a perfect example. Okay, now um, I'm not uh, not bragging or anything on this, but uh, thank the Lord. Just a few weeks ago, I was able to replace my computer. I mean. and. Uh, I, uh, my, my computer that I had was about seven years old. Uh, I, had to, I, I took it down to Auckland to get it repaired and told me it was vintage. Now, <laughs> uh, when your computer's vintage, you know it's. I said, please don't touch it because you're gonna, you're, I'm going to pay more for you to tell me you can't fix it than I, you know, I, uh, I can afford to pay. So, anyway, uh, but uh, I was able to yeah, purchase a, a new computer and thank the Lord for that. Mm. <laughs> so, um, that was like two weeks ago. This week, And he's looking online and she goes, oh no. I was like, what happened? And she goes, they got out a new model. (laughs) It's the new one. You need to take yours back. I said, (laughs) three weeks. And mine's outdated. You know, know, the fashion of this world changes, doesn't it? It passes away. Mm -hmm. You know? I'm not living to have the latest and greatest machine. I'm living to have whatever I need to serve God with so that I can lay up treasures in heaven. I mean. Amen. That's all I need. I don't need the latest and greatest because it'll change every three or four weeks. I mean, uh, not quite that bad, but it's just very coincidental. You know, I was like, boy, that's a prime example of what Paul was talking about. This world will pass us away. Amen. Um, Matthew uh, 6 and verse 33 is... Uh, a verse many of you probably know it says But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient so unto the day is the evil thereof. You know, and, and that the things he's speaking of there are, are the necessities. He wasn't talking about, you know, excess. He was talking about bread and water housing. You look at the, the whole passage there, okay? And yet, we're not to be consumed with those things. That should not be our primary focus. Amen? Uh, the Lord is going to meet our needs. The Lord going to take care of us. Right. We need to focus on Him. Amen. And let Him worry about all the essentials. Amen? And not be consumed with the things of, of this world. Uh, Matthew, another, another verse is Matthew 16, verse 26. Okay. And this this is a good thought, you know, especially the unsaved. <clears throat> Here was this man who had thought he had all the time in the world, and he was prosperous, and he thought, Well, I will build bigger barns and just lay up more wealth. And yet that night his soul will be required of him. And th- the Lord said, for what is a man, verse, uh, Matthew 16, verse 26, for what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall man give in exchange for his soul? I saw in a, in a film just a few weeks ago, uh, we were watching a Christian film, and this guy had uh, was being offered a large sum of money to sell out you know, from serving God. And thankfully, it was a preacher, actually, and the preacher, he, he turned down the money or whatever it was. And um, he said, actually, let me let me look at that for a minute. You know, and the guy was making this offer to him. And he was like, oh, okay. He had second thoughts, you know. So he looked at him and he says, I was just curious. He handed it back to the guy. He says, no, I, I don't want that. He says, I was just curious what a man's soul goes for these days. Well, what are you holding on to that's keeping you from coming to the Lord if you're not saved? What are you holding on to, Christian? It's gonna keep you from losing rewards in heaven. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Amen. Hey, this present world will pass away. Mm-hmm. Let, let, let's lay up treasures in heaven. I and moth and dust stuff not corrupt. That's right. Amen. Amen. Um, so Paul, back in First Corinthians, he addresses these several things, alright? Um, the fashions of the world, the, the manners and mannerisms of the world, the material possessions. Marriage, our, our moods, okay? Um, and he says, I just want to encourage you, don't let those things be your focus. Amen? Um, now look in verse 32. He says, but I, in contrast to all of that, mm-hmm. I would have you without carefulness. So the word carefulness, he's speaking of worry. He says, I don't want you to be worried about all those things. So whether you get married or not, that, that's, you know, that's the, the, the main question that they had here. Whether you let your daughters get married, okay? Um, it's not a yes or no. It's consider the circumstances. And I don't want them to be burdened down with care. Um, he says, he that is unmarried care for the things that belong to the Lord, and he may please the Lord. He that is married care for the things that are of the world, and may please his wife. And then again, Paul's just being very practical. He says, when you get when you get married, all of a sudden, you're not just looking out for you. You're looking out for your family. You've got to make sure they have provision, they have food, they have all those things. And by the way, if um, uh, men, uh, you're, you're right with the Lord, you'll put that burden on the Lord. Yeah, Amen. Yeah. And you say, Lord, you gave this family and you've got to take care of us. Don't just take care of me, you've got to take care of us. Amen. And uh, that's what we need to do. But Nonetheless, the physical responsibility of taking care of those those individuals lies with the husband. Amen. And Paul's just making that a, a reality there, okay? And so, and again, we, we can keep looking on down here, and if we won't have time to go through all the other verses, but that, that is the gist of what he is saying. And so this morning, I, I want to challenge you. You know, Christian, are you living for the present world? Are Are you allowing the things... Some of these examples that Paul brought up to you know, be your focus? Or are you focused on the Lord's return? Amen. Um, whether it be maybe you face some tragedies in your life and that grief is overwhelming you. And you just think, I can't, I can't keep going to church. I can't go on. I can't serve the Lord like me anymore. Um, give it to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Give that to the Lord. Maybe it is. <clears throat> Maybe it's a promotion at work. You say, if I just get this job, I just get you know, I just get this, this increase in pay, whatever. Um, then, you know, man, things will be better. Things will be better. If you put God first, you got to trust Him. Mm-hmm. Amen. Uh, possessions, all those things. Hey, put God first. And seek ye first the kingdom of God. Thank you. Amen. Our relationships. <clears throat> put God first in relationships. I, I, I know... Um, a preacher, a good preacher friend. When he was young, he uh, used to pray the Lord would come back until he could get married. You yeah. um, know, there's probably yeah. sort of a lot of teenagers pray like that. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's it, it's kind of uh, I say it, it's it's comical to pray that way, but well, I hope that not be a true prayer. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Hey, let's let's not let the things of this life, even the good things of this life, uh, distract us from Him. Yeah. Amen. And uh, any anything that is good in this life is nothing compared to the Lord. Mm. Amen. Uh, let's turn to one other verse. James. Look at James chapter 2. We'll close out here. James 1. verse 17. Maybe you're like those Corinthians there. In verse Corinthians 7, you're weighing out the pros and cons. You understand, hey, Paul, he's not telling me I can't. The Lord's not saying that we, we have to do this or we can't do that. Just being very practical, very realistic. Is it the right thing? Well, you need to pray and ask God for that, of course. But look at verse 17 here. He says, every good and perfect, every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning." You know, if something is of God, it's going to be good for you, I mean. even if there's difficulties with it. Some of those Corinthians, some of those young ladies in that church are priced that, you know what Paul said, it's not wrong for us to get married. Would we please get married? <laughs> you know, and some of those young guys are probably just like, "Well, we, we, we got the letter from Paul, and he didn't say it was you know wrong to marry your daughter. Can I still can we still get married? You know." And and maybe those dads were like, "But he talked about the persecution that's going to come. Are you sure you're going to handle this? Are yeah, you sure?" And as they prayed about it, those parents get permission. Those two young people get married, and persecution comes. You know what? It's still good. Mm-hmm. It's still good because we don't know the future, but God does. Mm-hmm. Amen. Every good and every perfect gift comes from above. God will help us as long as we follow His plan for our lives. Right. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, doing the will of God doesn't mean that everything's a bed of roses. Doesn't mean that God's always going to provide you know an abundance, you know, material possessions and all that. But it does mean that God will. Give grace and strength to meet every need. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. All right. We should be content in our lives and live for the coming of the Lord as children of God. So, are you allowing the world and in your relationships with it to distract you from his coming?